Let's talk about porn reefer. Can we talk okay. about porn for just a moment? What do you What do you want to know? What can I t- what can I, What can I tell you, Kristen? <laughs> have Have you ever seen porn before? But of course, you have. But of course, like all men, you've seen porn before. Any, like all humans okay, on the planet. Yes, yes, all humans. I just find that. Um, most men I know consume it just in larger quantities than most women I know. I'm going to say to you, although I'm sure that every guy says this to you, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched anything porn related. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, maybe I you're do, different than the rest of the men in my life. <laughs> I do get oh, – oh, that's interesting. Uh, I do get um, – uh, well, you know, I, they've stopped. I got I to gotta call them up about this. For a long time, I was getting um, Playboy for free as a as a professional subscription because I was mm, in, in professional. <laughs> yeah, look, it just showed up. It just I, started showing up. I was up. just reading it for the articles. It yeah, just I know, showed up. And I, know. I, and I didn't turn it down. I decided, hey, if you want to send me Playboy, um, and uh, so that was something. <laughs> but it's been a while since I've gotten a Playboy issue. I wonder why that is. Um, anyway, but I, I, yes, you know, we're all familiar with porn. Porn is very, as as people have been saying for years, very mainstream. It's mm-hmm. becoming, you know, I do, I do not think it is fully destigmatized, but it is, be, it is becoming much more mainstream than it used to yeah, be. Yeah, I don't think it's shocking at all when people talk about consuming porn. It's like, eh, doesn't everybody? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but... Obviously, the reason we're talking about porn today is because there is a movie out this week where a very popular porn superstar is crossing over into the mainstream. That's James Dean, D-E-E-N. Right. Not the late James Dean, because that would be so gross (laughs) and weird at this point. It would be very weird. Very, very (laughs) weird. But James Dean, who is slim and trim and he's 28 and yeah, 27, 28, 27, 28 yeah, thought, yeah. and he's smart. He's a foodie. Uh, yeah. Some people call him the boy next door in porn. Other people call him the Ryan Gosling of porn. Mm-hmm. It's just for really, you know, he, he he's not like, as my friend Matthew puts it, he's not your Ed Hardy t-shirt wearing porn star. <laughs> he's a different kind of porn star. He's the porn star you kind of maybe want to date to sure. if you're a girl. Right? That's, a good, uh, that's, a, that's a good description. Yes. Well, I think it's interesting also that we're uh, talking mostly about um, James Dean and not about the movie's other star, which just happens to be Lindsay Lohan. L- who? Lindsay L O H A N Lohan. Oh, yeah, I think I, I think I've heard of her before. Well, I she's in she's in the canyons too. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about two guns with Mark Wahlberg and Denzel Washington. But uh, first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday, and I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway, and this is Movie Date. Okay, let's start with um, Two Guns, another action comedy possible franchise. It is based on a comic book miniseries. It's uh, directed by Baltazar Komakur. I think he is Icelandic. I hope I don't have that incorrectly. I love Iceland. He's he's Nordic of some sort, Um, Northern European of some kind. And he directed Mark Wahlberg in Contraband uh, maybe last year, I think somewhere in there. But so I think this is supposed to be another – Action, comedy, shoot 'em up. You've got, you know, Denzel, you've got Mark Wahlberg playing 
these guys with camaraderie who are bantering. They've got an affectionate kind of married couple chemistry going. One's the fast talker. One's the smooth talking charmer. They shoot people, you know, snap off a one-liner or two and then go back to shooting people. Well, uh, let's play a clip. You want to talk about it? Yeah. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I told you I didn't like her, man. Shut up. What are you getting mad at me for? Because you talk too much. What I ever do to you? Besides shoot me? Thanks. You know what you are? No, you're a misanthrope. It's misanthrope. I'm a misanthrope. Did you know what I meant to say? No, what did you mean to say? That you don't like people. Shut up. Did you feel that this film worked? Did it, did it pull you in? Did it, did it give you the action? Did it give you the comedy? I, I'm just going to say what I just said on the takeaway, which is I felt I was watching a foreign movie with the subtitles turned off. I did not know what was happening during most of this movie. And it speaks to Marky Mark and Denzel's wonderful chemistry, great charms that I could even smile or laugh uh, when I did. Because, you know, those two did have a really great chemistry. I totally enjoyed them. But other than their chemistry when they would be bantering, I, I just didn't know what was going on. And it just felt like it just got more and more and more convoluted the longer it went on. And I just – I, it was too confusing of a date for me to enjoy. <laughs> it is. It just I, – I have to say this was a very bad date for me. It was a really, really, really bad date for me. It is a poorly structured date, I think. Um, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the directing – I want more structure in my dates. <laughs> I think it's kind of – in some ways kind of well-directed. I think it's got a little – it's flashy. It has a certain – grit to it, a kind of I, – I've read an interview here and there with uh, with Balthazar Komakur. There's probably only so many more times I can say that <laughs> name without screwing it up. But he, I think, was kind of likening this to a Western. Some of it does take place in Mexico and those scenes do have kind of a gritty, grungy feel. Uh, Edward James Olmos plays the, the – Drug uh, lord. Poppy, the drug lord, the, the king of the cartel. And he has a – I think he's got a – sort of earthy, grisly kind of look to him that works for this role, stringy hair and that gnarled face he's got. It, it, it works. And so the movie has these kind of nice elements in them, but I felt like everything was borrowed from something else I'd seen many, many, many times. And the movie just didn't really bring anything that new or interesting. I know what you're saying about Marky Mark and... Uh, I know we're not supposed to call him that. Oh, yeah. Mark Wahlberg. Sorry. Mark Wahlberg. Sorry, sir. And, and, uh, and Denny Denzel. I know what you're saying about those two. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I don't I, – I feel that while they're both really good and just natural-born charmers and they kind of swagger their way through this movie and they're always fun to watch, I didn't actually feel that they created chemistry. I just felt that they each did their own shtick and did it well enough to carry me through the film. Mm, I don't really feel like it was Gibson and Glover and, you know, or even, say, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Oh, no. It just seemed like kind of two <laughs> A-listers doing Jackie their thing. Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker up to a certain... <laughs> I'm just saying, those <laughs> movies are fun. They're awful. They're fun. They're awful, awful movies. But I, I have to disagree. I really liked both of them. You I did? Re- okay. I really liked both of them. I would love to see them in another movie together, given a a proper opportunity to uh, be telling a story that I would understand what's going on. Okay. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. So you say for this movie... Bad date. Bad date. I would say on this movie a passable, just a barely passable, skin of your teeth, decent date. What? I think if you're uh. just looking for... Look, I'm a guy. If you're looking for just the the 
shoot, lightweight, breezy, shoot 'em up comedy. You know, like I was saying, one liner shootout, one liner shootout. It's okay. It's not. It's not completely stupid. It's not terrible. It's okay. Also, I'd like to say the one highlight of the film: Bill Paxton as the guy who's chasing them down the entire time. Earl, the guy with the bolo tie, pretty good villain. He's actually a lot of fun. Bill Paxton's really good in this movie. Passable, barely passable date. No, no. This is the date you bring somebody to if you really are too chicken to break up with them. You just bring them on this date. The date will say it all. That's what I think. That's what I think. And you tell them, and when the sequel comes out, we'll see that too. (laughs) All right. let's, let's Let's talk about the canyons. And uh, now, do you, Kristen, do you feel what's more important to talk about here—the backstory or the plot of the movie? Well, that's 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 a good point. Yeah. Um, um, why don't I briefly say what the plot of the movie is, okay. and then we'll talk about the backstory. So, okay. So this is a movie that I, I would call it not quite a love triangle or even a love quadrilateral. It's almost like a love octagon. You have Christian, who is played by James Dean, the porn superstar, and Christian is a rich boy living in a mansion in L.A. His girlfriend, Tara, played by Lindsay Lohan, is someone who was trying to make it in acting at one point, never quite made it. He keeps a very, very tight leash on her. Um, Some might say possessive to the point of psychotic. Yes. And Tara, Tara is sleeping with Ryan, who is a young actor who is cast in a movie that Christian is trying to make. Meanwhile, Christian is sleeping with other people. And all of them are sleeping with people they just kind of call up on grinder or wherever and then um, yes. and then they have group sex sometimes too. Yes. So that's kind of the plot of the movie. All right. Well, let's let's listen to that. I mean, I love her. Better she's gorgeous. <laughs> but it's more fun to keep it a little complicated. Complicated? Christian, what are you doing? Where are you going with this? Just being transparent, baby. Well, okay, so the the backstory of this movie as m- people may be familiar with thanks to that um, giant, uh, long and fascinating New York Times article called – I think it was called This is What Happens When, when You, you put, Cast when Lindsay Lohan in a Movie. That article came out in January. Yeah. Oh, OK. Great. It was a great article. So good. All about the making of this movie, which was done for a, a scant $250,000. Funds raised mostly on Kickstarter. Uh, the director, Paul Schrader, put in some money. The writer, Brett Easton Ellis, who did Less Than Zero, American Psycho, uh, Rules of Attraction. He put in some money and so did uh, Brett Easton Ellis's producing partner. Uh, the rest of it was all raised through uh, Kickstarter. It was filmed in people's homes, their friends' homes, uh, you know, real locations around Los Angeles. Uh, Lindsay Lohan, I think all the actors, but I know Lindsay Lohan got a mere $100 a day for this yes. role. No trailers allowed. Right. No um, trailers. She did her own war, war, wardrobe. Excuse me. Let me try to say that one more time. She did her own wardrobe, her own makeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, provided her own transportation. She did get a quarter cut of the movie, though. She owns 25% of the profits of the movie. Oh, so, I did not know that. Yep, okay. So she does get a little bit of a kickback. If this makes a lot of money, she'll do pretty well for herself. We'll see about that. <laughs> this, uh, so, But I do think that the that all that being said is probably everything that goes on behind the camera in this movie I think is much more interesting than anything that goes oh, on yeah. in front of the camera. <laughs> Backstory, very fascinating. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Actual story, not so interesting. Yeah. So I, I already gave the summary of what's happening in the story. But can you tell us how you feel about it, Rafer? I have a couple of – I have a couple things to point out about this movie. The, the, 
one I'll get to Lindsay Lohan in a minute because I think what every I know what everybody wants to know is how is Lindsay? Is this going to be her comeback? Is she a good actress? Uh, because we've forgotten, frankly, whether she is or not. Right? The, her last major role was maybe six years ago in I Know Who Killed Me. Oh. And I mean, let's you know, show of hands, who saw that? Now going back, what's the last movie that? We, anyone saw Lindsay Lohan and, and said, oh, she was really great in that. I think people loved her in Prairie Home Companion. Oh, oh yes, that's th- right. She was good I in that. I think that was right after – it was shortly after Mean Girls. That was short, that's been a long yeah. time, a long time. Yeah. Anyway. And, but, and people were really hopeful about her career right around that point. Yes, they were. They yes, thought they were. she was going to be the next big thing and – but then it was on the set of Prairie Home Companion, I think, where her reputation just started getting terrible for being unreliable, not showing up, uh, right. being on the drugs and the booze and the pills yes. all the time. And uh, they couldn't insure her anymore because right. uh, movies have to have insurance. and. Right. The insurance cost just got way too high if you have Lindsay Lohan in your movie because how much does it cost to shut down a $50 million movie for a day because sure. the star doesn't show up? doesn't cost that much to shut down a $250,000 movie. <laughs> um, so, well, the, the first thing I would say about this movie is this just seems like another in a very long line of movies about youth headed toward ruin, bling ring, spring breakers, um, the canyons – Remember that movie Disconnect that came out a little while ago? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Somewhat different. It's a sort of a segmented movie, but one of the storylines is also about that. Kids on the internet, young people on the internet, too much sex, too much iPod, too much iPhone, too many apps, and it's all going to lead to this giant moral decay. They're all disconnected from magic, from love, from emotion. Right. If anything, they're just tapping into sex and violence, and they're just not connected to each other, to humans anymore. And I find this um, kind of tiresome and kind of curmudgeonly and old-fashioned and reactionary. And I find also that this is this is also a very typical Brett Easton Ellis movie, right? He's kind of a misanthropic, human sucks sort of guy, though. Yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, he's and, not and, writing stories about hope and promise. No, and I and I, I will say, on the one hand, I like that about him. I like his I like his unwavering dedication to total nihilism. You know, <laughs> I'm also like a uh, I'm also a Michel Holubek fan. I don't know if anyone else out there reads Michel Holubek, the the French writer who is who is perhaps even even angrier and more unhappy than Brett Easton Ellis. But I, I like that these guys have this definitive worldview that they are not going to compromise or, or or sugar up for anybody. But it also just feels really 80s and outdated. Everyone's snorting coke and sleeping around and, and oh, you know, oh my God, the, the big thing in this movie, the big thing in this movie is to cross a sexual, a same-sex experience line. And that's a that's a common thing I find in Brett Easton Ellis's books and in his movies that anyone who is gay or bisexual is some kind of dangerous, decadent, glamorous figure who's going to kind of bring down someone else's innocence and corrupt them in this delicious, delightful, libertine, Marquis de Sade kind of way. And that seems like a really Bowie-era idea of bisexuality <laughs> to me. And I just feel like, you know – 
I feel like gays and bisexuals have worked really hard to be just as boring as the rest of us. <laughs> and I think, they've, I think they are achieving that, and I think we should give them their due. They can, they can now have families, have children, Hold marry. On, they can't be deviant villains. They still they can. They can't be glamorous they, superstars who aspire to. It's such a yesteryear yeah, idea. Yeah, I totally you know, agree with you, you, know actually. you, know what I'm saying? No, I totally agree with you. I, I, I think that Paul Schrader, if you aren't familiar with him, Paul Schrader also wrote Taxi Driver. He wrote Raging Bull, Last Temptation of Christ. A lot of what he writes is very hyper-masculine, alienated, angry man movies. Um, Not that Jesus was angry. I I don't mean to put him in that category, but um, and I I think that, you know, in – I'm sorry, Paul Schrader, but I think you're a better writer than a director also. I, I, I just like you better as a writer than a director. Paul Schrader, I think, is actually a very good director and a really interesting director. He is also um, – he likes sex. He, uh, he's the director of American Gigolo, uh, of Hardcore with George C. Scott, mm-hmm. which is a great, gritty, dark movie. He also did Cat People, Paul Schrader. Cat People, a great, great sexed out, flashy, slick 80s horror flick. Um, he Great makes, movie. Yeah, but I I do have to say um, the the sex – I like that you mention all of the sex that he does. He has lots of sex in his movies, but it's never sexy sex. Not in, not in this movie it's not. In this movie like, it's really dull. I don't know if any of the sex in any of his movies is sexy. I, I'm having flashbacks right now to trauma thinking about the the <laughs> taxi driver. I'm going to bring you on a first date to a triple X movie. That's and right. Then I'm Takes gonna... you to a porn film. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, good call. Good call. Uh, that's right. And and Raging Bull, there's a certain scene in there because he can't. Oh, he's got the cold water. He's yeah, got the picture of cold water. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Not sexy sex. Not sexy not sex. You're right. Sexy but, sex. Um, but I, Which but doesn't I... make it bad. I mean, there's something to be said for sex not being sexy sometimes. And, yeah. And that can really tell a certain story in and of itself. But I feel like everything's so misanthropic and bitter and angry, hyper-masculine. And you team him up with Brett Easton Ellis and it's just like kind of eye-rollingly over the top. Yeah. Kind of like listening to a 14-year-old bitch about the world. It's like, oh, I get it. Yes. I get it. Life sucks. You're 14. Right. The world is very this or this. Everything just feels so black and white and yeah. like everything's being judged so heavily. Right. Ugh. Right. No one's, lazy. no one's. In a way, it seems really lazy to me. Yeah. I, I, I would agree. I, you know, I, it's, it was Schrader who came up with what I think is the film's single only interesting idea, which is the, uh, the, the film is punctuated by these still images of wrecked, deserted old theaters. And there's this idea that that somehow this is a post-entertainment, post-fun, post-movie world. Um, I saw the premiere of the of this movie at uh, Lincoln Center, and Schrader was there, and he said, "My my idea for this movie was a bunch of young Los Angelinos standing in line for a movie, but the theater has closed." But they stay in line for the movie anyway because they have nothing better to do. And I thought that was an interesting idea, but it's the only good idea in the movie and it has nothing to do with the story. It has nothing to do with the story. It has no relation to the rest of the film. I would film. like to see that movie that he's talking about. Exactly. But that's exactly. not what this movie is. But no. can we talk about the acting for a second, Ray? Yes, let's. Okay. So we need to talk about Lindsay Lohan here. Let's. How did you feel about her acting? This is her big comeback. This is somebody we had a lot of hope around. And if it weren't for Lindsay Lohan being in this movie, I don't know that people would be even curious about the movie. I think that's probably true. 
I think you can tell, given everyone else that she's surrounded by um, actors and uh, who have been in small roles here and there, a guy named Nolan Funk who plays uh, the, the, the boyfriend, her kind of hunky boyfriend, Ryan, um, Tennille Houston, uh, Gus Van Sant, oddly enough, pops yeah, up in the movie. as Playing as a, a psychologist yes. in the movie, yeah. Um, you can tell it's really obvious that the only professional actor in this film who has some training and experience and kind of knows what she's doing is Lindsay Lohan. What? Yeah. No. Everybody else is so wooden and so um, – just they're so unemotive. Oh, my God. They're I thought so James bad. Dean was fantastic well, in James this. Well, James Dean – I loved James Dean James in this movie. Dean, but, you, but you can tell that James Dean, he doesn't – he has – there's something he's got a certain natural something in him yeah. and it totally comes through but you can also tell that he doesn't quite know how to be an actor the way that Lindsay Lohan does i still feel that he is 8 million times more interesting to watch than Lindsay Lohan is oh, i mean yeah. if, if anybody comes out of this movie looking good it's james dean absolutely he's, he's i feel funny like she and just sharp com- yeah and i feel that lindsay just kind of comes off as sad and dead-eyed and in some cases disinterested and in other cases I felt like she was in a Disney movie kind of acting in Disney movie style yeah she um, I think I have to say I think a lot of this goes down to the directing I feel like Paul Schrader just did a really rudimentary uninspired job on this film which I hate to say because I really do think he's an interesting filmmaker but I think a lot of this has to do with the directing that Lindsay Lohan just there's there are these scenes where you don't really feel like she knows where the scene is going or what she's saying or what or what she's feeling or anything. I also feel I, – I think this is a somewhat unfair thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. She doesn't look that great. She looks kind of puffy and a little older than a 27-year-old starlet should. Well, that's not very nice. It's not very nice, but you know, you know Paul Schrader – Again, at that premiere, said you know I he he said and I think he was trying to put a good spin on these things. He said I think Lindsay Lohan is 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 exiting her ingenue phase and she's into a new phase. And he compared her to um, Angie Jenna Rollins. Jenna Rollins, right? Yeah, Angie. Uh, Angie he Dickinson. said the same thing to me when I was talking with him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And you know, and he, and he, he described so Angie Dickinson and Margaret Jenna Rollins and described them all as. Tough American broads with smoky yes. voices, and I just, I just, I kind of understood what he was saying, but I also felt like Lindsay Lohan is only twenty-seven. Do you want to look like Anne Margaret at twenty-seven? Do you want to look like Angie Dickinson and and Gina Rollins at twenty-seven? And I, I just couldn't get past the fact that there's something about her that doesn't look. I don't know. It. it 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 I'm just going to be honest. It bummed me out. It bummed me out mm. to see her in that in that physical state, and it and it it doubly bummed me out to see her in these nude scenes, in these in these unsexy kind of lackadaisical lolling nude scenes that have no electricity or chemistry or spark whatsoever. It just made everything seem really dead and used. I feel like that may be the point of the film, that maybe that was on purpose. But, I think it was on purpose. You know, I mean, in, in that sense, maybe it's a success, but it, it is just no fun to watch and it's boring. It's dull and there's just not that much to it. I have to agree with you. I it's, thought it was a really bad date. It, it was it a was, really bad date. It was a really date. bad date. But it, I, I will say it did introduce me to someone I do want to go out on a date with again, and that's James Dean. James Dean. James Dean, you can take me anywhere. 
anytime. I'll be take me <laughs> anywhere, James Dean. I'll take go on me, a date with says. you. Take I will me. go on a date with you and I'll watch you do anything. Or anyone. No, I'll Whoa, stop there. Whoa. Nelly. Oh, getting too crazy. You too made those jokes. Not crazy. me, Kristen. Too Yet crazy. again, more porn <laughs> jokes from Kristen. <laughs> it's hard not to. We're talking about porn. Oh. Okay. Okay. We should probably move on to some business here. Yes. Some some business. Last week, we played uh, some listener mail, some listener voicemail from Mike, who had some pretty strong feelings about some of the movies that we cover on the Movie Date podcast and when we're on air on different public radio shows. And his main issue was that Hollywood movies are not something that public radio listeners should have to listen to reviews of. Right. He doesn't listen to public radio for this nonsense. So we ended up getting a few people writing and calling in about that. And here is one listener who called in. This is Adolph from Austin, Texas. And I just listened to the Movie Date podcast where we reviewed the Wolverine and uh, one listener called in and was talking about how NPR should have this show. I just had to call in because it just drives me crazy and people say NPR has to be snobbish and elitist and, you know, if you like popcorn movies that you're a horrible person and I really, really don't like that. You know, all independent movies are not awesome. There's a lot of horrible ones that people a pass to because it's independent and ooh, look how challenging it is. And I really appreciate what you guys are doing, even if I disagree with you. And that's pretty much it for me. I'm sorry I ranted for so long. All right, Adolf. I hope we have your name right. Yeah, it, it, it occurred to us like, what if his name isn't actually Adolf and we're just calling him Adolf? <laughs> what if it's Rudolph? <laughs> let, let, let's presume your name is Adolf because that's what it sounds like to us. Yes. So, um, a- Adolf, we really appreciate your calling in. We really... Um, we really appreciate it. And yes, as our discussion of the canyons um, illustrates, some indie movies, in our opinion, not That's so right. good. That's not right. so good. Not even, necessarily great. Even indie movies can be bad and oftentimes are. So yeah, we totally agree with you on that point. <laughs> so thank you for calling in about that. And we also got this call. Hi, guys. This is Sonia from New York. Um, I'm not responding to trivia question because I was one in the summer of 1993. So I didn't go to a lot of movies then. Um, but I do want to respond to your listener mail that you played. It's valuable to have intellectual people tell us which kind of lowbrow movies to see, because we all want to see lowbrow movies, or at least I want to see lowbrow movies. And if a movie is 1350, I definitely need a few people to back up my reasoning to see it. But yeah, just, yay, I like your podcast. Bye. Sonia, yeah, movies are expensive. That's what we're here for. Movies are so expensive. Thirteen fifty. You know, back when I was a kid in Minneapolis, maybe this speaks to my age or to the upper Midwest, but there was this cinema called the Boulevard Cinema, and it was, um, I think, ninety nine cents to see a movie. There, oh wow! And it was second run movies. That, was gonna, was that must 90... have been second run. Even, yeah, was, even back then. Yeah. Yeah, ninety nine cents, and um, wow, my little kid self would have been shocked that one day I'd be spending thirteen fifty for movies. I remember when I remember when the tickets went up to four dollars. I remember thinking, "Holy mackerel, <laughs> this is getting expensive. How am I going to afford this? I'm just a kid." Also, we have to point out, Sonia, you, um, you, I, I, we can't believe how youthful you are. Yeah, you're, 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 you're so young. He was one, one, one in 1993. In 1993. Yeah, th- this is really about our trivia question last week. It's about last week we were talking about the to-do list, which is a movie that takes place in the summer of 1993. And 
Um, let's get to that trivia question in a second, but I do want to point out also we got this awesome piece of listener mail on our Facebook page. Everyone should become a Facebook fan just because you get some fun little tidbits and you can write us funny letters if you want to on Facebook. So um, last week when we were talking about the summer of 1993, Rafer, you said you didn't quite remember where you were. It's it's all a bit foggy. <laughs> Those years. <laughs> you said you might have been about to travel somewhere. You might have gotten back from traveling somewhere. And one of our listeners wrote in to say, the summer of 1993, Rafer, was before you went traveling and just before you met your wife. This is why it's such a void in your memory, a string of unremarkable nights with unmemorable women. It must have been pure <laughs> hell. Do you know who wrote that? Who would that? Oh, well, I, I know now who wrote that. <laughs> Is that is that the wife that I eventually met? Yes, that is the wife you eventually Jeez. met. I love that. <laughs> Anne, thank you for writing in. And anybody else, please join us at Facebook.com slash Movie Date Podcast. But let's get back to that 1993 trivia question from last week. Some of them are memorable. <laughs> I just want to say. Okay, the, tri- the, trivia question from, the trivia question from last week was about other other movies from 1993. Uh, we picked one that had a, a distinctive soundtrack, and we, we played you a clip. Here it is. Hey, yo, kids. What's up? Remember when I used to be dope? Yeah. I owned a pocket full of fame. But look what you're doing now. I know. Well, I know. I Weirdly, no one got this answer right. <laughs> no, it's a testament to how awful this movie is and this soundtrack. The soundtrack is legendary for being one of the most divisive soundtracks out there. People either love it or hate it. Yes, it was one of the. It was one of the. Uh, again, depending on where you stand, the high point or the low point of rap rock. And that clip <laughs> uh, is a song called "Fallen" by Teenage Fan Club and De La Soul, and the movie was Judgment Night. No need to see it, listeners. No need no, to see. No it. need to see that one. And uh, this week's trivia question. We are asking in honor of the canyons, and we want to point out James Dean is not the first porn star to try crossing over into mainstream movies. We're going to play a clip of another porn star who tried to cross over, and we want you to call us and tell us who this porn star is, and if you can identify the movie even better. Who the hell is this? This is Inga. She's from Sweden. She's an exchange student, and she's going to be staying with us for a while. Inga, this is our daughter, Wanda. Say hello. Yeah? I'm blowing this joint. All right, listeners, if you know the star and the film, give us a call, 5717movies. And again, feel free to log on to facebook.com slash movie date podcast. 